This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Have you or anyone you know lost a pet to cancer? With one in four dogs and one in five cats getting cancer every year, with some saying those statistics are even higher than reported, chances are you do. I'm Jody L. Teich, and you're listening to the Pet Health Coach on Pet Life Radio. My guest today is a dear friend. I've known her for almost 10 years, and she too lost a beloved pet to cancer not too long ago. Moose died in 2022, and today, Trisha Montgomery runs a fundraiser and educational event in his honor called Moose's March. Trisha is a pet industry powerhouse as a PR and marketing exec, a public speaker, a connector, and a strategist. Trisha is the person you want on your team when you're building something in the pet industry. And as skilled as she is at the business of pets, she also has a really big heart with her love of animals and the industry. If there's anyone listening who has aspirations of getting into the pet industry, you'll want to listen today. Because in addition to Trisha telling us all about Moose's March and how you can contribute to educating pet parents about this horrible disease, raise money for shelter animals, I'm going to be asking Trish about ways for pet lovers who do want to work in the industry to get in, areas of growth that she sees. So we're going to take a short break from our sponsor. And when we return, you'll meet Trisha Montgomery. So grab that healthy beverage, get comfortable, and we'll be right back. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Health Coach on Pet Life Radio. I'm Jody Teich, your host. Trisha Montgomery is a pet industry powerhouse. As I've said, her networking, PR, marketing, development skills have benefited many brands over the years. And she's bringing her know-how to this venture very near and dear to her heart called Moose's March. Let's meet her, learn more about it, and more about the industry she loves. Hey, Trish. Hi, Jody. Thank you for that beautiful welcome. So much appreciated. Oh, it is my pleasure. I adore you, Trisha Montgomery. So let's start with Moose. Let's start with Moose and Moose's story. Yeah. Uh, tell us. Thank you. Um, so I had I had just become CEO for Polish Humane Society in 2019. And I had lost my dog Zeus to Cushing's disease the previous year. And I had just moved to Columbus, Georgia, being CEO for Paws, really didn't know anybody and working a lot, uh, probably 12, 13, 14 hour days. (laughs) 
and as we do working in a, in a humane organizations and moose they wanted me to adopt so i began to foster and i wasn't ready to adopt yet and a, a group of dogs had come in uh, through columbus animal care and control into Polish Humane Society. So with an animal, with, with a humane organization, oftentimes they pull from an animal control, which is what we did. It was my birthday. The pandemic was upon us. It was March 29th of 2020. And I took Moose home uh, for my birthday weekend. We shared a steak and some other things. <laughs> and we just had the best weekend and came back to the office on Monday. And I said, I just can't, you know, just wasn't my heart. And then I kept going back throughout the day. And of course, by the end of the day, he was mine. And I had adopted him during uh, the Bissell Pet Foundation, the Empty the Shelters event that they did, you know, to get the animals cleared for, for COVID. So I adopted him and he was with me every step of the way. Moose was heartworm positive. He was basically chained outside with his brothers. He was full of all kinds of crazy twerk you know little little things his legs were cattywampus and he was just a hot mess but he was a love and he never left my side never left my side because as we know during the pandemic we we were deemed essential workers so i never stopped working we never stopped working but he went with me everywhere my constant companion and he was the office dog. He greeted people. People loved him. All the animal care technicians would come in. They would bathe him and they would walk him. And he became a member of everyone's family. And just, yeah, just my love. I said he was my heart walking outside my body. And I had noticed some lethargy. I had been traveling. Um, I came back from Talladega. My dog sitter, Kennedy Stone, said to me, you know, he's not eating a lot. That's just not really like him. And just let's keep an eye on him. And I had noticed that he was just a little bit dragging. And I came home, put my arms around him, and he had four nodes on his neck as I began to kind of move down, as we often do as humans. We do breast examinations and we check ourselves. I began to do the same with Moose, and I found about seven and they were uh, those lymph nodes and just inflamed and enlarged. And I knew what it was. And I called every veterinarian that I could find. It was a Saturday night. I called Auburn University. I called uh, Dr. Crystal White, who was uh, the veterinarian for Paws Humane Society. I uh, called the wonderful team at Rivertown Veterinary Emergency Center. And it, it was too late. It was it was stage four and it had just gone and it just came up out of nowhere almost. And he was gone and he was gone and within within less than three weeks he was gone. Oh Trish. So yeah. Sad. And that was really hard because I think we talked about cancer strikes in humans and in in animals. And my my dad had passed away of cancer and my mom had passed away and then Moose passed away. And so Oh, God, a triple whammy. It was just everything on top. An onslaught. No, and I, I remember I remember laying on that floor and just thinking, I don't want to move. I don't want to I don't want to get up. And I've never had anything like that happen to me before. Yeah. And luckily I was able to find some some help and some therapy. And I love my sister Cheryl giving a beautiful shout out to my sister Cheryl. And some other people around me, uh, Caroline and Courtney at that time, and just 
found found some help to talk to me. And the APLB, their Association of Pet Loss and Bereavement, uh, Colleen is their executive director. And, you know, there's all these things that come up. Out of that came my desire to create a legacy, which was Mrs. March. And we created Mrs. March, and that was to help people that, whether it was education or to help personal cases for pets and people that have cancer. We helped with that last year, uh, 2022, for Giving Tuesday, we raised $12,500. This year, I am so proud to say that Mrs. March is its own 501c3 organization. And we have partnered with Volition Veterinary, and we are working towards educating on early detection. We are working towards, you know, providing not only shelters, but people that may not have the means that may be less than fortunate to provide them with the care that they need for uh, for their pets. So very important, just because of a lack of income or a lack of resources, no one should be denied care for their pet. Oh, so true. So true. And I want to talk more about this. I want to get deeper dive into Moose's March. But first, learning about an illness in a pet that happens quickly is devastating. We know this. And I think it's happened to most of us at one point or another. And you did such a beautiful thing, taking Moose in and loving him the way you loved him. Um, they all teach us something, right? If we're paying attention, they all teach us something. What do you think Moose taught you in the time that you had him? Because it wasn't that long, was it? It was not. It was not. I think when I looked at Moose, we were in a very, in a low income area in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't one with tremendous resources. Mm -hmm. Moose was was a pit bull mix. He was a low rider. And many of the animals that we got in were of that type of breed. And I think, Jody, that it taught me to look at people, all people, and to understand that everyone is deserving of a pet, no matter what their income level is, no matter no matter what they look like, no matter where they are in life, because our pets can bring so much beautiful value to our lives. And we, as an organization, when I was at PAWS, really were dedicated to providing resources to people in lower income areas. And I think that's important. And I think that he taught me just the beauty and the love. And I think also that just because an animal has heartworm, just because an animal has, there are things quote unquote wrong with that animal. Every, every animal is deserving of a home and love. And just he taught me so much just because I was alone. I really, I mean, if you think about the pandemic, we were so, we were so to ourselves. We, we were alone and especially having just moved to that city and not really knowing a soul. I mean, aside from my team from work and his CEO, you can't be friends with, you've got an obligation. So it's hard, you know, it's a very fine line that you walk. And he, I, I've never had a dog just that instantly connected with me that just became this extension of me. He was just, a, he, again, 
a short time, but he, I have never been touched by an animal more in my life than moose. No, it sounds like the universe brought you together at a time when you needed each other most. And I don't know if you mentioned this, but moose was a pit mix. It was. And still one of the most vilified dogs. It, it's not a breed, <laughs> but looking dogs, square-faced dogs in history. I mean, every there's a certain number of breeds that have gone through their times of being vilified, including the German Shepherd, obviously Dobies and Rotties, but the Pit Mix is the first time, really, a dog with a certain look alone is vilified. And um, so it's, it's wonderful that you took him in, yeah. that you saw his heart. Yeah. This is yet another story of a pit mix with a heart of gold. Yeah. That came into your life just when you needed him most. I did. I did. And I think, I think, I, I think he found me and he rescued me. I will also say that I think it, people would look at me and they would think that I would have another type of a dog simply by looking at me. And the way that I look and that judgment on someone. Um, and then they would see me with moose. <laughs> and there'd be a double take, you know. This low rider. <laughs> <laughs> he was in my car, you know, and, and we go through Starbucks and people, it was, people got used to seeing him with me and we would go through Starbucks every morning on the way to work or whatever. And they would give, you know, it was just this routine and people got used to seeing him. And um, it, it is, it, it is. And I think one thing about it is the deed, not the breed. And I think I was taught long ago by a beautiful woman from the American Kennel Club uh, when we were many years ago when I was with the Chicago Veterinary Medical Association and they were trying to do breed specific mandates that it is the way that they're the way that they are that they're brought up and the way that they're raised it absolutely is it goes it, exactly it goes beneath the deed even because there can be so many factors there can be genetic factors there can be physiological factors there certainly could be factors of nasty humans that have imprinted on them during that important imprinting phase or or outside of it and just been cruel out now cruel to them so there are lots of factors you are going to see photos of the beautiful trisha montgomery on the pet health coach page of the pet life radio site so you can see what trisha is talking about and um, i have to show you pictures of gus who is a low rider hippo pit that Stanley and I rescued and found an amazing home for with his two daddies, John and Stephen. And that was six, almost six years ago. And I love that. it just so enriched their lives. And he was an amazing dog too, is an amazing dog. Um, so let's get deeper into Moose's March. You started to tell us why you created it as a legacy and honor of Moose. And your financial, what you raised financially last year, and now this year, what the goal is and where you're at, which is wonderful. Tell us more about the, about the goals and who's involved. Sure. So this year we have a goal of $100,000 and we have already raised $31,000 in pledges. 
And I'm so proud of that. Uh, the team is incredible. We have Dr. Thomas Butera. He is the CEO from Volition Veterinary. I have uh, Becky Mosser, MPA, RVT, and she's with NAVTA, uh, the North American Association of Veterinary Technicians. I also have David Levy, who's with Pet Product Innovations and an incredible mentor and guide and wisdom in the pet industry. And I also have Dr. Ray Ann Van Pelt, who I know uh, from my days at the Chicago Veterinary Medical Association, uh, her partner, Dr. Marla Minuskin, they own Family Pet Animal Hospital, and Dr. Minuskin actually passed away of cancer. And she also is part of the Cooperative Care Coalition, which is dedicated to cancer. But we have just incredible things coming up, including we have a webinar on November the 2nd. It is going to be hosted by Steve Dale, and that is at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. It is free of charge, and we're going to have many people on that webinar, from experts to pet parents talking about pet cancer and understanding more, understanding more about early detection and what that means exactly answering questions and really getting into a deep dive about that. And Steve Dale is the moderator of that. He lost his dog, Ethel, to, I'm going to say this right, hemangiosarcoma. Hemangiosarcoma, yeah. I always find it difficult to say that word, so if I'm misspelling it, please forgive me. But his dog, Ethel, passed away suddenly to that, and he's going to be moderating for us. And Tell people a little bit more about who Steve is, because people listening may not know who Steve Dale is. Oh, my goodness gracious. Steve Dale is an icon in the pet industry and in the animal welfare, as well as the veterinary profession. I actually kind of grew up with Steve when I was a public education director for the Chicago VMA. He was just starting out with his Pet World column in the Chicago Sun-Times, I believe, and also on WGN. Now he is nationally syndicated. He has a blog. He has a weekly radio show. He was recently, I believe, he was not awarded from the American Veterinary Medical Association because of his work within the media and the veterinary profession. If you don't know Steve Dale, you need to check him out. He is somebody that you should know. He uh, understands different topics. He is also a certified behaviorist. And I think he wrote a beautiful book with Dr. John Sirabasi from Chicago Veterinary Medical Association on decoding your dog. He's also part of the Fear Free movement with Dr. Marty Becker. And just, I could go on about Steve forever, but love you him. You could be a publicist. I could be a publicist. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Can't say enough about him, but he's going to be moderating and I know he'll just do a beautiful job um, and really opening up that discussion on cancer and talking about, you know, lymphoma as well as, I'm going to say it again, hemangiosarcoma. Sarcoma. Hemangiosarcoma. Sarcoma. Apologies for that. Yeah. Oh, problem. So this actually leads beautifully into another question that I was going to ask you about. Um, because you and I have had this conversation once or twice. Personally, you are and have been very involved with vets. You've talked with me about the challenges you see them facing every day. And people who listen to my show, uh, my podcast, know that here I talk a lot about natural health and natural healing modalities. 
something that conventional vets don't necessarily practice or in some cases even support. But I also think balance is very important. And most vets get into working with animals into veterinary practice and school because of the desire to help animals. They do love animals. And so I think that especially in a world where pet parents are becoming more and more frustrated with the conventional medical system for themselves and their pets, that they have some insight into what it's like behind the scenes with conventional vets from your perspective, because I know that you have seen behind the curtain with the things, the challenges that they face. So can you share from your perspective some of that? Yeah, thank, thank you. Thanks for asking that. Um, I have been involved with the veterinary profession since 1993. So that'll give you uh, a, <laughs> uh, give it a little you know, about my age there. But I, uh, I've been with them since 1993 in the veterinary profession. I first started as public education director for the Chicago Veterinary Medical Association, and then I became executive director. I grew up um, and and so much respect and beauty for what they do. And knowing what they're going through now, it's scary. Uh, there are not enough veterinarians to go around right now. I know firsthand the abuse that they face. I have seen it, have witnessed it within our own practice at, at, at Paws Humane Society and have seen instances. I think it is times a lack of respect or an understanding. It's hard. It's emotional. There is also a crisis for suicide. It is one of the highest professions for suicide. And People don't know that. They don't think about that. And I think when people come in to a veterinary practice, they're so concerned about their animal. But keep in mind, the veterinarian is basing their, you know, the conversation, the diagnosis on what you're telling them, on the, the what they're finding out from their initial exam. And at times it can almost be anthropomorphism. And for your audience who may not know what anthropomorphism is, that's when I say, oh, my God, you're so hungry. You must be so hungry. So I'm taking every bit of my feelings and I'm putting them onto my my pet, whether a cat or a dog or an equine or iguana or maybe, you know, maybe that uh, that alligator that's an emotional support alligator. I've heard about that one. You know, and we're, we're, we're putting our own feelings onto that animal and our, that pet. And so the veterinarian is trying to decipher, okay, what's going on? You know, he's been limping. He's not eating. He's this, he's this, and the pain's right there. And, and they're trying to decipher all this knowledge and uh, that, that they're getting from you. And it is, it is difficult at best. And I think you take all of that information and you in turn try to understand what's happening and, and what you're doing and their needs and their wants and um it's difficult and i think there's also a challenge that at times people don't feel that they should have to pay their amount of money and it's that they've been billed there is inflation going on right now people are struggling and i know veterinarians are trying to make everything work for them and i think I'd encourage your audience to think about kindness and to think about saying thank you and and grateful for those beautiful veterinarians that are part of our animals' lives, whether it's a homeopathic veterinarian, whether it's a veterinary technician, 
or a veterinarian or, or your anyone keep that kindness in mind? Yeah, we're all people with a human beating heart. Why do you think there aren't enough vets? Because I know this as a pet parent, and I hear this from so many people having to wait weeks and weeks and weeks for an appointment. And it's just gotten crazy. Why? Oh, I think that there is so much demand right now because our we have increased in the numbers of animals that we that we have now and the number and there's not enough veterinarians to go around i think there has been challenges within veterinary schools and i know they're working to change that but i think there's also related to just those issues that they're finding out on on a daily basis that they need to be able to find you know that there it's so many things from a standpoint of of people getting into the industry and or into that profession yeah yeah Thank you, Trish. Thank you. I think that Western medicine, veterinary medicine is extremely important. For me, there's no place I'd rather be for diagnostics, ER, and surgery. Nowhere in the world, I think, can beat it. And I think it's great that pet parents now have a bit of a wider view on ways that they can incorporate complementary with conventional or complementary when conventional isn't needed at that point, so that we have truly a full plate of options. And that's what pets deserve, our animals that we love, and this, I think, will work best for pet parents. We're gonna pause here, and we're gonna take a short break from our sponsor. But when we return, Trisha will share tips on getting into the pet industry. She's gonna talk about her story, and she's going to talk about how you too can get involved in helping to talk about your story with pet cancer, help in educating other people about pet cancer, and learning how you can make a difference. So refresh that healthy battery, get cozy, and we'll be Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back. If you've just joined, you're listening to the Pet Health Coach on Pet Life Radio, and I'm Jody Teich, your host. We're here today with pet industry executive and shelter hero, Trisha Montgomery. Trish, I want to sort of switch gears a little bit. You have been in the industry a long time. When you and I met, I think it was back in 2014, you were you had founded and were running the Canine Fit Club. Tell us a little bit about your story so people understand where you came from because canine fit club was a very specific type of thing 
very different from what you're doing now. So tell us. So Canine Fit Club, uh, Canine Fit Club happened because of my own journey with losing weight with my dog. I had gone to see my veterinarian and many, many years ago, and he looked at me and said, every time you come in, not only is Louie, who was my basset hound at that time, gaining weight, he now has the onset of diabetes, but as professional as he could, he looked at me and he said, and Patricia, you're not getting any thinner. I walked out of his office. I think I had cried. I didn't pay my bill. I don't even know. It took me about two weeks, uh, maybe three. And I was in an, a, I was really in a coma of food and probably gained more weight. And then something inside me snapped. I, I looked down at Louie. I went to the mirror in my home. I took every bit of my clothes off and I looked at myself and I was morbidly obese. Um, at, at the time I weighed over 270 pounds and I looked down at Louie and everything that I'd done to me, I'd done to him. And, and that was it. And my idea of exercise at that time was going uh, and letting him out and letting him back in and just letting him back out. And there was no exercise. So in the dead of night, we started walking because I'd been so made fun of. Patty or Patricia, Patty rhymes with fatty. And so people have a tendency to be cruel. And um, that, that happened. And I began uh, to go to the track at nighttime and we began to lose weight. Me, of course, faster than Louie. And I went back to Dr. Mayer and I asked him for a job. And he hired me, not knowing anything about the veterinary profession. And he saw something inside me that I didn't see inside myself. And I'm, I'm today most certainly not the same person that I was then. And I'm, I'm grateful. I'm forever grateful for him and for that journey. And um, I began to work for him. And then he said, I think you'd really be good as public education director for the Chicago Veterinary Medical Association. And that began my journey really in where I am now today. And, you know, leading into, you know, your next question, I think opportunities happen all around you. And, you know, to get into animal welfare or the pet industry or the veterinary profession, there's so many opportunities and so many beautiful mentors out there that can assist you. So I'm extremely blessed. Oh, that is beautiful, Trisha. That is absolutely beautiful. Can you tell my listeners just a little bit about the kinds of clients you work with and what you what you find exciting about it in talking about maybe getting into the pet industry? I would love. How much time do you have, Jody? Well, not a whole lot, but just give us a little like brain dump of what you do and the kinds of, you know, brands that you help develop and, you know, what's exciting about that for you. Yeah. So I work with everything from uh, pet products such as Augie Bones, which is a sustainable non-toxic plant-based tough dog chew toy bringing that to market and uh just strategy brand strategy development marketing every aspect i think i'm even doing quickbooks now (laughs) (laughs) to me and you know i work with animal welfare organizations i work with shelters across the country my love my passion is giving back we have a beautiful program called heart and home where i get to work with behringer ingelheim and we get to provide 
medications across the country to shelters and they provide those free of charge to places that may not be able to afford those medications for the animals that come in. I get to work on my own baby, which is Moose's March. And that is all about educating people on pet cancer and early detection and supporting people. I've had the opportunity to work overseas in a beautiful project with the country of Saudi Arabia, Neom, uh, the city that is coming to the future. You know, in looking at how people can get involved, reach out to me. I love to mentor. I love to talk. You know, feel free to, you know, text me or or even not email me. And I'm happy to, to jump on a call with you and, and seeing future people who want to get involved, volunteering if you're looking to get involved as well. Animal welfare organizations are in a crisis. And I repeat that it's in a crisis and they need you. And so there are beautiful things called your time, your treasures, and your talents. You may not have the money to, to provide, but we all have time. We all can fold clothes. We all can donate, a, you know, a towel that might have a hole in it you know, things that we think are dispensable. Those animal welfare groups need your help. And so I'd say it's understand what your passion is. And I'm blessed to have a trifecta, as I call it. I've been in the veterinary profession, the pet industry, and animal welfare, and happy to share my knowledge. Well, we're going to have a good contact email for you on the show page. So anybody listening who's interested in reaching out to Tricia, that's a great way to do it. Why don't you, Trish, tell people again when the webinar for Moose's March is, how they can participate, how they can donate and help spread the word. Absolutely. The webinar is called Let's Talk About Pet Cancer. It's on Thursday, November the 2nd at 7 p.m. You can go directly to moosesmarch.com and all you have to do is hit that QR code or hit the link and you can register immediately. It is free of charge. There is a place where you can submit your questions. If you want to share your personal story and share a photo, we're going to be posting those on our website and all the beautiful pictures of your pets who, who have had cancer. And if they're looking to donate, there is a beautiful donate button on there. And again, complete transparency, accountability on our part, letting you know where every donation and every dime of your donation goes. We have a beautiful, again, uh, incredible board and just so many dogs are being afflicted by cancer. And my beautiful friend, Rhonda Siegel, her dog, Riken, uh, just passed away. It was last week of cancer and you don't know when it's going to strike. And we want to be there for you. And uh, we look, we're looking at hope and quality of life. Perfect. Is there any other place that people can find you that you'd like to share, Tricia? They can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Tricia Montgomery on LinkedIn and on Facebook. And again, every contact, every conversation is a blessing. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here, Trish. It's been an absolute joy and an honor to have you here. Thank you, Jody. And thank you all for listening. As a pet health coach, my mission is to share holistic healing options for pets and their parents seeking a natural approach to wellness. A pet health coach is your champion, a bridge between you and your vet, where you're empowered through knowledge, resources, accountability, and support that a good health coach provides. So tune in next time for information, expert interviews, and tips to give the animals we love the longest and most vibrant lives we can. I'm Jody Teich, and this is the Pet Health Coach. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.